Hiya guys, it's Chris here, aka Big Meaty Cool. Just wanted to put this out at the beginning of the show because I didn't want to embarrass Danny by putting it on at the end of a group recording that we did and we've been recording quite a few things lately. I just wanted to apologise for the lack of any episodes of Acceptable in the 90s lately and I also wanted to apologise to any listeners that felt that I'd been phoning it in lately or that things didn't feel quite right on the records. Basically, to cut a long story short, and it would be a long and agonising story if I ever put this onto a record, my mother passed away two months ago, and while we didn't have any kind of relationship for the last ten years, like I say, it's a long story short. Um, It has affected um, a lot of things uh, in my life, to be fair. Uh, My work life has suffered, the podcast has suffered a lot, I feel. The only thing that has been great is my family life. My my wife is amazing. She never listens, but shout out to Naomi. Thank you for everything that you've done and to the children for keeping me going. So guys, um, the last few months have been like hell to me. I haven't got involved with my mum's family at all, but I've kind of just mourned in private. I did a lot of my mourning a long time before she passed away, but I just needed to get those last few bits out of the way. Just wanted to say thank you to the people that knew about what had been going on, that I'd shared things with. But um, yeah, I'm back. I'm looking to put out more episodes of Acceptable in the 90s because I enjoy doing it. It makes me happy. It brings me back to a happier time. And there will be some more shows coming up in the pipeline to the One Man's Meat feed. So do please keep an eye out on that. I've put some feelers out to people that want to get involved and they seem very interested. So I just wanted to say a quick sorry for not being my usual self. I might make up for it in more than enough ways on this recording, but let's get cracking, shall we? Hello everybody and welcome to WWF Monday Night Raw. I'm Sean Mooney and it is certainly raw here in New York City. We are actually awaiting the arrival of Repo Man. And after what took place last week, Repo Man, you're a little bit late here. You mean I'm a little bit late? Nobody knows where I am at any time and I'm here! You think I'd miss this moment? I don't know. A lot of people didn't know if you're going to show up tonight to face the Macho Man Randy Savage this, after what took place last this week. This is like repossessing a brand new Cadillac! Randy Savage! I'm going to repossess your career just like I did your head! <laughs> I'm here! I'm here! You better be ready for me! Because I'm ready for you! Ladies and gentlemen, we are back! Welcome everyone to Acceptable in the 90s! I'm Big Meaty Cole, joined as always by a glass of water and a pale ale. I'm not going to be able to keep this voice up for the entire episode guys, so I'm going to stop! Hiya folks, it's Big Meaty Cool here, and this is episode 7, and as promised last time, we return to Titan Towers to take in the third episode of WWF Monday Night Raw, which was broadcast on January the 25th, 1993. We get two feuds wrapped up tonight as the Repo Man and the Macho Man face off over a cowboy hat that Liberace would have found a little gaudy, 
while Mr. Perfect and the Nature Boy face off in a hotly anticipated Loser Leaves WWF match. But before we even start thinking about going over these proceedings, we ought to peruse the papers to find out what was occurring on this day in history on January the 25th, 1993. On this day in 1993, Five people were shot outside CIA headquarters in Langley, Virginia, resulting in two murders. Pakistani national Mir Amal Kanzi killed two CIA employees in their cars as they were waiting at a stoplight and wounded three others. Kanzi fled the country and was placed on the FBI 10 Most Wanted Fugitives list, sparking a four-year international manhunt. He was captured by a joint FBI-CIA Inter-Services Intelligence Task Force in Pakistan in 1997 and rendered to the United States to stand trial. He admitted shooting the victims, was found guilty of capital and first-degree murder and was executed by lethal injection in 2002. The 20th annual American Music Awards were held on January 25, 1993 at the Shrine Auditorium in Los Angeles, California. The awards recognized the most popular artists and albums from the year 1992 and was hosted by Bobby Brown, Gloria Estefan and Winona Judd. Mariah Carey was the most nominated artist of the night with a total of six nominations. Michael Jackson, Michael Bolton and Mariah Carey were the big winners of the night, scoring two awards each. Michael Jackson was also awarded with the International Artist Award, and since he was the first artist awarded with this honour, Eddie Murphy announced that it would be known as the Michael Jackson International Artist Award. I'm sure that's aged very well. At the box office in the US, Walt Disney's Aladdin was at number one in the cinemas. In the UK, Whitney Houston's The Bodyguard was at number one. And in the US and UK pop charts, Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You is at number one. But, as intimated in the last episode, this will not be at the top for very long in the United Kingdom. And one superstar would not be long for the WWF by the end of the night as we transition to the January 25th, 1993 episode of WWF Monday Night Raw. We are pre-recorded from New York's Manhattan Center before a crowd of 1,000 fans. Following on from the Royal Rumble 1993, our world heavyweight champion continues to be Brett the Hitman Hart, who defeated Razor Ramon at the event. Shawn Michaels continues to reign as Intercontinental Champion following a disputed victory over Marty Jannetty. As for the Tag Team Champions, the Money Incorporated team of the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase and Erwin R. Scheister did not have a defence, thankfully, so they continue as champions. Commentary for the evening is provided by Mr. Maneuver himself, Vince McMahon. Captain Incompetence, Rob Bartlett, and the incomparable Bobby the Brain Heenan, who had been allowed into the building as Randy Savage was a little bit busy tonight. Our programme begins, however, with Sean Mooney being greeted by the Repo Man, 
who pulls up to the building in a tow truck, brandishing Randy Savage's cowboy hat, which Repo Man likens to repossessing a brand new Cadillac. After the usual guffins from Vincent Gang, match number one begins, which is the Macho Man Randy Savage versus the Repo Man. Repo comes out in the hat he stole from Savage last week. Savage runs in to attack Repo from behind and the action spills to the outside before Macho heads up the aisle to bring Repo Man back into the ring where he chokes him out. The announcers mention how Yokozuna won the Royal Rumble and then Repo Man slams Savage's head into the steps. Repo Man heads back inside after whipping Savage into the post and then hammers away. The announcers now talk about the Ric Flair vs Mr Perfect loser leaves WWF match for tonight as Repo Man uses a rear choke. Savage fights back as we head to break but the match returns with Repo Man back in control. Repo Man works another body scissors on the mat and then lets go and hits a clothesline. Repo Man now uses a chin lock as we get more bad commentary from Bartlett. Surprise, surprise. Repo Man hits a neck breaker, then heads up to the middle rope, but Savage gets up and takes him down. Savage then slams Repo Man and hits the flying elbow drop for the win at 13 minutes and 30 seconds. After the match, Savage unceremoniously tosses the Repo Man over the top rope. Now this match started out really hot but slowed down very quickly when the repo man took it to the mat. The ending fell flat as well as his mini food should now be finished. Savage's intensity kept the match interesting however but this was a waste of Savage's limited in-ring use in my opinion. It wasn't bad by any means but there were more worthy opponents that Savage could elevate, such as Shawn Michaels, for example. When we return from the break, the build-up to WrestleMania 9 begins, with a slick video package and carnival barking from Vince, before match number two sees the Ugandan giant Kamala, accompanied with his new manager, the Reverend Slick, versus the Brooklyn Brawler. Now, being a massive nerd, I chuckled at the in-joke here, as Steve Lombardi, who wrestled as the Brooklyn Brawler, also played Kamala's previous handler, Kim Chi. Slick is here with Kamala. Brawler actually gets in some shots to start, but makes the mistake of trying a slam. A chop into a kick to the face into another chop puts Brawler in the corner, so Kamala can hit a reverse bonsai drop. 
Another knockdown sets up the reverse cover as Vince thinks Kamala and Susan Summers would make an interesting couple. Kamala kicks him in the face, that would be the Brooklyn Brawler, not Vince, and slides into the corner for another reverse cover. The chop sets up the splash, but Kamala rolls him over four times before finally getting the pin at 3 minutes and 36 seconds. So this was just a squash, really, and a very poor one at that. Kamala's face turn is incredibly goofy, but it raises a smile with me. But it was not easy to watch him in the ring by any means. I much prefer Slick in his Doctor of Style role as well, but this babyface interpretation is very similar to his real-life persona as a minister. McMahon, hey! Martin, where's he going? He's going to talk to Kamala. Can't leave us here alone. Why I mean, not? He can't leave me here with you. Why? What are you afraid of? I'm not afraid of anything, but I mean, hello, are we on? Uh, sit I down. Gotta, I gotta talk to the director on this. I can't be out here with you. you know, sit down. You know, between you and I, I'm the host of this show. You gotta kick back to me, you know. Oh, you're the host? Yes, I am. No, no, sorry, but... Whatever you make, you kick back to me. That's the rules here. Who are you, Colonel Parker? Colonel Parker? You mean the guy that makes the brown serve rolls? No, I'm not Colonel Parker. You gotta, let's hear what he has to say. Keep your mouth shut. I must say I'm, that this oh. is extraordinary. What you have done for Kamala, Reverend Slick, is outstanding. Well, Vince McMahon, I appreciate the compliment, but I cannot take full credit for Kamala Ugandan Jai. The credit goes to all these wonderful people. You, you are responsible for the conversion of the Ugandan Jai. You opened up your heart to him. And in return, yes, he's opening up his heart to you. But you know, Harvey Whippleman, Kim Chi, you better stay out of the way of the Ugandan giant because I'm not going to be responsible for what might happen if he gets one look at you. Well, thank you very much, Reverend Slick, along with the Ugandan giant, the mighty Kamala. Is McMahon coming back or not? I hope well, we so. We don't need him. We don't really need him. You know, he, he asks those guys those fluff questions. Keeps the interview simple. I go hardcore. I get to the meat of everything. I'd ask Kamala, is it true you're going to be the campaign manager for uh, Mayor Dinkins' re-election? That's what I'd ask. Yeah, you're a real dad, rather. Folks, right here on WWF Monday Night Raw, here we go with your post-Royal Rumble report. Brought to you by our good friends at Coliseum Home Video. The exclusive distributors of the Survivor Series and yesterday's gigantic Royal Rumble. Available at video stores everywhere, February the 11th. All right, ladies and gentlemen, in case you missed the Royal Rumble yesterday, i got to tell you, you missed a lot. We've come to expect the unexpected from World Wrestling Federation pay-per-view events. And it happened again yesterday in California's capital city of Sacramento. Number one, a successful title defense for the World Wrestling Federation champion, Bret the Hitman Hart. Then more big news, and I mean really big. The winner of the 30-man Royal Rumble, 500-pound-plus Japanese superstar, Yokozuna. This tentatively sets up a big main event for WrestleMania 9 on April the 4th of 1993 at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas, Nevada, providing Bret the Hitman Hart retains the World Wrestling Federation title. It'll be him going against challenger Yokozuna. Well, Bobby the Brain Heenan did it again at the Royal Rumble. 
Finally, unveiling narcissists. We had waited for a long time to see just exactly who this individual was. Lex Luger. Now, I am not a big Lex Luger fan, but ladies and gentlemen, I got to tell you, this man looked like the bronze Adonis. Obviously in fabulous shape, and he's got some goals, some ambitions, some objectives here on the World Wrestling Federation. More big news. I mean, gigantic news in the form of Giant Gonzalez. All of a sudden, during the course of action in the Royal Rumble, Gonzalez brutally attacking The Undertaker. I have never seen The Undertaker manhandle like this. I didn't think anybody could do to The Undertaker what Gonzalez did. And I guarantee you, we have not heard the end of that particular story. I'm sure in the weeks and months to come, there's going to be more to be told about what transpired yesterday at the Royal Rumble. And of course, you can get all of the latest breaking developments right here this coming weekend on the World Wrestling Federation Television Network. All right, we thank you, Mean Gene, and for the benefit of those of you who would like to have even more results, maybe some in-depth results and interviews from some of the superstars, winners, and losers from yesterday's Royal Rumble, we do invite you to dial this number, 1-900-288-WWF1, for the in-depth latest results on yesterday's Royal Rumble. All right, headed up next, both men putting their careers on the line in one corner, Mr. Perfect. In the other corner, Ric Flair. What a matchup this is going to be when we return with more Monday Night Raw. We now get our main event of the evening. And never in 1993 WWF would that term be more relevant as Mr. Perfect Kurt Hennig faces the nature boy Ric Flair in our Loser Leaves WWF match. The crowd give a good reaction for Flair as Heenan now says that he advised Flair to not take this match. We get some slapping and shoving in the corner, then Perfect uses a drop toe hold before slapping Flair down. Flair rolls out for a breather, then we see Heenan try to give him the timekeeper's hammer. Back inside, Perfect grounds Flair with a hammerlock. Perfect wins a chop exchange in the corner as Flair takes a delayed flop. Perfect once again chops Flair down, this time after a stalemate, as the announcers rag on Heenan over Perfect taking control to start. Flair knocks Perfect through the ropes, then tries to hit Perfect with a chair, but the ref takes it away and then we go to break. The match returns with Flair once again sending Perfect through the ropes as Perfect's head hits the post. Perfect is busted open and Flair targets the wound. Perfect fights back with punches and uses a jackknife cover for a two count. Flair then hits Perfect low, then the two fight over a backslide, with Perfect winning and getting another near fall. Perfect backdrops Flair before slingshotting him out from the corner. Perfect uses mounted punches in the corner as Heenan is screaming how they are closed fists, but Flair escapes. Flair uses a roll-up for two, then rolls outside, but comes back on the apron and gets suplexed back inside. Flair boots Perfect in the gut before catching him with a sleeper, and then Perfect runs Flair into the corner after a struggle, and then Perfect catches Flair with a sleeper in a messy spot where it seemed Perfect was supposed to land behind Flair, but instead they both fall to the mat. Flair escapes by using a back suplex as both men are down, and then Flair applies the figure four. Flair keeps using the ropes for leverage when the ref's back is turned, but eventually gets caught. 
Flair kicks out Perfect's leg and stays on the attack. Flair gets on the top rope, but Perfect slams him off as we go to another break. The match returns with Flair taking something out from his knee pad and using it to deck Perfect. Flair puts the object in his trunks and then drops an elbow, but Perfect was able to get his foot on the ropes. Perfect then kicks out of another pin attempt, so Flair punches the cut on Perfect's forehead. Flair then tries a chop, but Perfect just stares him down. Perfect keeps staring as Flair attacks, and then Perfect backs Flair into the corner and chops away. Perfect fires up and then catches with a clothesline for a two count after Flair came off the top rope. Flair tries a roll up and uses his feet on the ropes, but gets caught by the ref. Flair now drops his head for a backdrop, but Perfect stops short and uses the Perfect Plex for the win at 23 minutes exactly, as Flair is now gone from the WWF. Bobby Heenan gives his honest reaction after the match. These two had an excellent contest and a match that would be the benchmark for Raw for the next 18 months at least. Perfect looked great and did exceptional work as a face, while Flair did all the cheating to live up to his dirtiest player in the game moniker. The crowd seemed burned out as this was the last match of the taping, but they did go nuts for the finish. This would be Flair's last TV appearance for the company until 2001, but he still had about two weeks of house show commitments, and this last match occurred during the final date of the European tour in Germany. Vince would intimate on Flair's impending commitments to end the episode. And now we head to my final thoughts. <laughs> Monday Night Raw is still seeking a solid identity, but they would do well if more episodes were like this. We get two matches of a decent length, sandwiched with the obligatory squash, and enough padding to keep the fans informed on upcoming events and storylines. This type of episode would not be a consistent theme for WWF until the advent of some decent competition once WCW Monday Nitro comes around. But Episodes like this stand out in Raw's early years, and it was an hour well spent.
Once again, the award for Star of the Night is shared, as the stars of the night are Kurt Hennig and Ric Flair. These two had the match that would stand out from everything else Raw would show in 1993. And even though this match came at the end of a long night of taping for the fans, they showed just enough energy to lift this further. Flair will be missed, but hopefully Hennick shows enough of himself to have a pivotal 1993 in the company. In case you needed me to say it again, the match of the night is Ric Flair versus Mr. Perfect. What more can be said that hasn't already been said? This match had been coming since the 1992 Survivor Series, and it certainly did not disappoint. The highlight of the night, however, is Bobby the Brain Heenan. He gave a much-needed sheen to the commentary, and helped not only keep Bartlett in check, but also show him how colour commentary should be done. Lovely stuff from an absolute legend. For my low light of the night, ladies and gentlemen, I love a goofy babyface. Santino Morella, Ron the Truth Killings, The Bushwhackers, Show Fanarchy, frankly, I cannot get enough. But it's not always good when they have to wrestle. And this is where I stood with Kamala's match against the Brooklyn Brawler. It was not pleasant at all. So guys, from next week, I'm going to include results from WCW Monday Night in these WWF-centric episodes. This is mostly to keep the Super Bowl build going, but also to have an excuse to watch some lovely WCW brilliance. I've already recapped the episode of Saturday Night that was relative to this episode of Raw. You can catch that recap on the last episode of Acceptable in the 90s. I know it feels like a million years ago, but do please listen to it again as it will push us a little bit further up the listening charts. Talking of next week, we will be recapping the February 1st episode of Monday Night Raw. Typhoon and Doink the Clown will square off, Coco Beware returns to Raw with a tag partner in tow, and the narcissist Lex Luger makes his hotly anticipated Monday Night Raw debut. An alleged 80s legend will also return in an interview segment. Please continue to leave your feedback at One Man's Meat Pod on Twitter, as I would love to know from all my 90s fans what you would want from this show moving forward. However, in the meantime, and in between time, it's been lovely to see you again, and stay beefy, Meat Cider! Yeah. Mm-hmm.